Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to the BDO podcast series, Getting to the Boardroom, where we interview a distinguished series of public company board members on how they got there. We kick off our series with the CEO and founder of the Athena Alliance, Coco Brown. The Athena Alliance is the premier organization dedicated to advancing diversity in the boardroom by preparing executive women for board service and facilitating board matches. Athena has worked with over 300 boards and over 600 board members since its inception in 2015, making a significant impact and shape to the modern boardroom. Coco, we are thrilled for you to be joining us today on this hugely important topic, and we're especially excited to get your point of view as it relates to getting women into the boardroom. So welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Well, I thought I'd kick it off with a question um, around how the 21st century boardroom differs. How has it changed from boardrooms in the past? Yes, that's a it's a great question. If you if you think about centuries past and and the focus of boardrooms for you know as long as we can remember back before this this more modern century, um, the focus was very much of a backward looking uh, view on the organization, an organ a view at uh, of the organization based on really the financial metrics and the financial. Um, Hit, uh, measures of the company and whether or not those were being uh, achieved quarter over quarter, uh, making sure to stay within regulatory um, and legal boundaries, um, and and then also succession planning, but specifically for the board itself and for the CEO. So you have these traditional committees of audit and risk, uh, compensation, and nomination and governance that spent most of its time really looking looking backward and looking over the you know sort of the details of how the the organization operates at, at in the way that i described in the in the 21st century organizations are being held to a much bigger bar for success um they're they're being looked at not just from the perspective of shareholders and shareholder return sort of financial metrics and whether or not the company is in legal compliance, but a broader understanding of the world as a whole and stakeholder and whether or not the company has long-term viability and health based on what stakeholders expect of them, which is the society around them, the customer, the employee, et cetera. And really what's happened is there's been three massive fundamental shifts that have um, driven this change. One is certainly the shift from businesses being the ones in charge to the consumer being the ones in charge. You know, so moving from 
from businesses telling consumers what to buy and what to think to consumers telling businesses how to behave and and what to make. Um, and this has been enabled by just massive connection. You know, we can really connect to any information without, you know, with the exception of government intervention, any information anywhere, anytime. And word of mouth carries very, very quickly. So, so businesses are now being expected to relate to and understand the perspective of the broad human populace that they that they touch. Um, the second thing is that there's been this rise of conscious capitalism, this this understanding that even from Wall Street, um, and and really sort of people are listening to Wall Street, um, this understanding that. It's not enough to sort of focus on quarter over quarter results, uh, that purpose and culture drive profit, that if you don't have um, a real connection to society, you really won't be long term viable from the perspective of, um, of, of your, your, your bottom line metrics. Um, you can just look to companies like um, Boeing and uh, United Airlines and um, Uber and WeWork and these companies to to give us some indications of you know how the the sentiment of the public affects the business as a whole. And then the third uh, big thing is is the rise of what I call the feminine archetype, which you know is saying that in the boardroom, in order to meet the needs of a very dynamic world, you have you need to have um, greater capabilities around. Um, relationship to the to to the go-to-market strategy, to customer experience, to people and different ways of working, organization structure, etc. Things that um, you know, capabilities that that really live within um, roles that women have more historically played in in customer success and marketing and human resources, and those roles are being more and more valued in the boardroom. Um, and then, of course, there's sort of the natural, what everybody knows, which is that technology is changing everything, and, and every business is a technology business now. And, and so the boardroom of the past that you know, thought about organizations from the perspective of um, kind of your old business model of, you know, 25-year plans and, um, you know, being able to, to really sort of slowly uh, meet to to goals that have been set over a long ter- period of time have been disrupted by the fact that everything changes so quickly in a technology-driven world and every company needs to be a technology-driven company, which has you know, really changed the entire dynamics of how all the businesses operate. Almost every company has a different way of doing sales now, a different way of doing marketing. And so, you know, board members of the past May have grown up in a in a different um, in a different business model world than they than they do now. Very interesting. And so, what I'm hearing you say is that it, the expectations of board members um, and, and how boards function is very different than it used to be. And yes. and in terms of how that might be an opportunity for women, <laughs> can you speak yeah. to those things at all? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's 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 definitely an expectation that boards need to operate differently. And, and sort of the first step in that is that you see committees becoming, you know, sort of bulging, right? Like now audit and risk is, is, is also cyber risk. And then also, well, wait a minute, what about technological innovation? Where does that fit? Is that under audit? Is that under comp? Is it non-gov? It doesn't really fit anywhere. Um, you know, you see compensation 
sort of bulging into this people and culture um, arena. So, um, so there, so a couple of things are are happening. Board, boards are being sort of tasked to think differently about his, you know, the 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 skills matrix that they've historically looked at, the kinds of people that bring the right skill to the table. It's no longer just former and current CEOs and former and current uh, financial experts, CFOs, et cetera. It's roles that historically have not been in the boardroom, but have more likely, uh, where you are more likely to find women. Um, So for example, 55% of CHROs are women and the compensation committee is being in very modern boards, you're seeing like Avalara as an example, Kathy Zwickard was brought onto that board and because of her HR background, in part to really broaden the view of what that comp committee is to be much deeper into the the organization in terms of thinking about culture and people and systemic um, systems that will work uh, around the people organization. Um, so, you know, that's that's one opportunity for women is that that CHRO function that has always been an expert in compensation and succession planning and, um, you know, evaluation, et cetera, is an equity structures, is also an expert in people structure and the modern people structures and, and how to bring that thinking around global workforces, um, gig economies, multi-generational workforces. Um, into into the boardroom. Another area where you see opportunity for women is with the CMO or the ECO, the chief customer officer, which didn't even exist 10 years ago. Mm. Those roles are 32% women and 35% women. And so there again, you you have a lot more women in, in those roles that have the closest connection to customer, to the end stakeholders experience with the product or service and its play in the world and how to bring that to the world. Um, And so that sort of capability is necessary in the boardroom as well because how we are bringing products to the world is very different today than it was in the past. And so, you know, sort of educating the board and leading the board as the board leads the company and stewards the company, um, more of those kinds of roles are being brought into the boardroom and that's providing opportunity for women. Fascinating. And in terms of innovation in the boardroom, what I'm hearing in the trends of what what you're saying and uh, is that things have changed, the impact of technology um, and sort of a reshuffling of the dynamics um, and, and change. So how is it that you've seen or experienced women uh, being innovators in the boardroom? Yeah, this is one of my most interesting ahas, <clears throat> excuse me, because women are the ones who are being brought into the board from newer perspectives, right? These different roles that didn't used to be in the boardroom, including I've, I've mentioned CHRO and, and, and those sort of go-to-market roles, but, but also uh, the chief information officer. 19% of those are women, whereas women are only 11% of CFOs. So you see women coming in from these technological roles, chief product officer, chief technology officer, chief information officer. And those roles are not only bringing women newly into the boardroom, but also bringing capabilities new into the boardroom 
And so women are actually driving more of the innovative thinking around boardroom structure. I mentioned Kathy with regard to um, compensation committee sort of evolving at Avalara. Um, but there's also women like Allison Davis, who created the Innovation and Technology Committee for the Royal Bank of Scotland. And now she has a historical finance financial background, but um, but she drove this innovation because the board was stewarding is stewarding large large investments in full digital transformation, both internally and externally, for the Royal Bank of Scotland. It's becoming a very different business model, and the board needs to know how to steward that. So I see women bringing innovative thinking to the boardroom around how the board configures itself, you know, really what are the right committees, um, how the board thinks about and educates itself in terms of being the long-term strategic um, stewards for the business, uh, and really taking the responsibility to say, you know, the median tenure of a CEO is five years, which means half of CEOs don't last five years. But boards are committees and collectives that last over the long haul. How do they make sure that they have a long haul view that includes the world as it is today? And so a lot of that thinking I see women bringing to the table naturally because they're coming into the organization disruptively, you know, into the boardroom as different skill sets than the past. Great. Very interesting. And in terms of other thoughts you have, um, you know, sort of open-ended question here. Anything else that to listeners out there that are uh, contemplating getting on a board or uh, how to position themselves into that next step? Any guidance, any thoughts, anything else that you might like to add? Yeah, I, I think, you know, one thing that I have also come to realize is that the work we do at Athena, which is... Um, goes beyond the boardroom, but uses the boardroom as kind of the final frontier of senior leadership. It, it is the place from which companies are steward and stewarded into the long term, and they operate very differently. They operate very like a C-suite, but they operate very differently than any other function within the organization. So getting there, getting to that space requires a different approach than we have historically used in our careers, any of us. You know, we sort of climb a career ladder, and this is not unique to women. This is male or female. As you climb a career ladder, you 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 sort of, and you may move over to a different ladder, but you're incrementally adding from one thing to the next. And as you talk about yourself, you say, well, in my last role, I did this, and I was elevated to that. Um, when you're looking to jump into the boardroom, it's much more... And similar to, and this is going to sound kind of funny, but more similar to your high schooler preparing to go off to college, they have to build an entire strategy around that effort that includes thinking deeply about which are my reach schools, which are my match schools, which are my safeties, you know, where really can I apply, if you will. Um, so similarly in the, in the boardroom, uh, you know, you need to think about where does my scaling and overarching um, contribution to business fit to different business models and different business sizes and stages? And then you need to think also about the way that, you know, 
high schoolers will think about applying to colleges. What do I bring to the table? You know, what is my story? I'm going to tell my story in a series of essays. And together, when you weave them together, you see a picture of my, my, my potential, my passions, my capabilities, who I am, my character. And you have to do the same thing as you're approaching your desire to join a board. You have to think about who am I, character, who am I, passion, who am I, potential, and how do I bring that to a boardroom? And you need to be able to tell that story in a bio very well and also in the way that you present yourself. I think those things are extremely important. Um, the third, the, the last thing I would say is you have to realize that board seats are achieved through your network. It really is about um, who knows you and how many click-throughs and impressions you're, you're getting. <laughs> um, and, and, and so that takes, um, you know, effort on your part. It's, it's like asking people to write letters of recommendation. You know, you, you can't just hope to get in takes and some that strategy, somebody will right? find you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes strategy and it takes outreach and letting people know what you're trying to accomplish and getting them to work for you. Absolutely. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for all of your thoughts and your perspective. I mean, clearly you see across many organizations and many boardrooms, and that's so insightful, uh, I'm sure, to our listeners and women who are trying to get there. So Coco, thank you so much for your time today and all the work that you've done at the Athena Alliance. And uh, we certainly wish you well, and hopefully in the future, we'll be able to have you back again. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was great to talk to you. This is great what you're doing. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.